Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm Paul Arnold. I'm joined by Ernest Watts, and our special guest host today is David Arnold. So there's going to be more than enough confusion to go around. David, are you enjoying the 4th of July weekend? Uh, yeah, I just got done playing soccer for two hours tonight. Um, and before that, I walked 18 holes at the University of Michigan golf course. Uh, so I'm feeling great. Man. This is a perfect weekend for me. Yeah. We have both have iWatches. I just got one for a birthday, and I decided I would share with my son the statistics. So far, he is just blowing me away. Ernest, do you share anything like technology with your son? Uh, video games with my grandson. <laughs> <laughs> we swapped them back. Like uh, My oldest grandson has my 2K NBA and my ghosts. Of, I'm not even going to be able to try to permit it. It's Tsushima? Uh, yes, it's based in it's a feudal Japan. When the uh, uh, Manchurians invaded Japan and feudal Japan back in 1300. And what else does he have? He has a couple more of my games. Yeah. I just let him borrow games. But that's all we share. That's all we share. I don't, that's not too I don't, bad. That's, I don't know. No. And movies. He's got a couple of my movies. And my neighbor. Yeah, Dad, Dad you, have to, you have to get the branding right. It's an Apple Watch, not an iWatch. Well, and I, we, we, share, we share health data that's right so apple yes. show us some yeah. love send us some money we'll mention right. your product off slaves to g steve jobs is what you've become yes well one thing right. that you two guys have in common is a love for nba see that transition yeah huh? well, yes yeah, speaking of it's apple well. you two yeah nice i like it you too. so yeah. um nba has been going crazy they're trying to keep up with the nfl with all their off-season drama so you guys first of all where is kevin durant going to go and why did it take him so long to know that Kyrie Irving is nuts David Ernest do do you want a first stab at it I'll go go first stab at it first of all uh, it's interesting the Nets are going ahead with getting rid of Kyrie first big rumor is Westbrook for Kyrie which would be a reunion (laughs) because you'd have Uh the old Cavs championship team in LA you have the old Thunder semifinals uh, in in Brooklyn. So I guess they figured out or they're trying to figure out is the problem that he doesn't want to be there or is the problem Kyrie? And the only, the only person that can control Kyrie and focus him seems to be LeBron. So on one end, that could work out pretty well. But, uh, good luck with with Westbrook and Ben Simmons together in in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the one basketball problem. And then and the idea that that he wants to go to the Suns or Miami that's going to be kind of hard to pull off because you're going to have to gut both those teams to make the salaries match up right. That's that's with everybody up almost everybody up against the salary cap. It's is kind of hard. I mean, and you can't trade. Bam Abadayo even up for for uh, uh, for him because Ben Simmons and him and Bam Adayo still have rookie extension contracts, and you can't trade them. You can't have two of those on one contract. You'd have to bring a third team in. And, you know, they would if they sign and trade with Aiton, maybe you could pull that off, but they'd have to – at least, though, two more salaries, it's, it's, it's very complicated to pull it off. And, and again, I don't know how fit he's going to be. I mean, 
Yeah, that's the point. How good is KD? How much is he worth now? Do you mortgage your future for him? Well, he's on the backside of 30. But the idea with Miami is is I just don't see him fitting in with that very, very intense. You know, they have a heat culture they like to talk about. And it's you, you know, physical it, all, and everything. I don't know if he would fit there. In all fairness, I, I think Kevin Durant would do just fine in Miami because – you know, as much as he he wants to see himself as the leader, and he's obviously very self conscious about it. He's got his own podcast. You can tell he's a little tender on social media. Um, he's he's a better follower, and, and not in a bad way. But but he's not the person who can drive the bus, right? That's what Charles Barkley said. Like Kevin Durant's not the guy to drive the bus, but he'll he'll propel your bus forward into a championship if you have the other pieces around. That's why he fit in so well in, in Golden State. I don't think he'd have a problem with the culture, but it is a, a matter of working out the deals. And we're seeing the the troubles with the supermax contracts come to life, right? There's just too many of them out there. And what happens when all of them inevitably fall off? Uh, like, who who of the Supermax contracts is even worth it at this point? Um, only a few of them that have ever been signed have ended up working out. Kevin Durant will end up with the Miami Heat. It's only a matter of time, I think. Kyrie, I literally only think his option is the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I don't think any other NBA franchise would even take a bite on him. Because if you're a smaller market, why why would you why would you take a bite out of the Kyrie apple? You're not, you know are you even going to sell tickets? Because is is he even going to want to play in your city? Um, and if you're a big team, how can you trust that he'll actually show up? Um, you know it's got to be Los Angeles or bust. The funniest outcome of this would be if Brooklyn is unable to move either guy, uh-huh. and they're stuck with unhappy Kevin Durant, unhappy Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. <laughs> they're, they're one Zion Williamson away from the ultimate NBA train wreck. Yeah, who, by the way, Zion, just got... Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. He's going to sign a max contract. Ernest, did you see that coming? Yeah, and he's not played in three-fourths of a season yet. I mean, that's, uh, that's the other name that's been thrown around. The Pelicans are in a pretty good position. They could trade Ingram and a few pieces... And you'd have a pretty good team there. You, you got your lead point guard. You'd have Zion. Uh, that you know, if they throw in Valachunas and Ingram, they can make the salaries match. My only concern, and it, it goes with the Suns. You know, the the, the Nets are going to want value, but again, matching the salaries. I mean, there. Yeah, you could throw in uh robinson and and, and hero and a few other guys but they want more than that because here's the problem the nets can't tank because the nets do not have their next five picks their first round picks the lake the lakers are in the same situation that's the reason why they can't tank they don't have their next five number one draft picks and the the cba with rookie extension contracts the language is very very clear you can only have one of those on your roster. So unless, you know, the Heat of the Suns are going to have to get a third team in there to pull this off. You know who has all of the draft picks and would be a great oh, spot OKC. for Kevin Durant to land for his last few years there. OKC again? 
<laughs> in three three or four years when, when Kevin Durant is actually on the back side of it. <laughs> but they would they wouldn't mortgage their future, even for Kevin no. Durant, I don't think. So Maybe. yeah, like no no one's gonna pay for these players, so they're they're all stuck where they are. Yeah, uh, it's big contracts, you're right. I mean that limits the choices. And Kevin does not have a no trade clause in his contract. So literally the Nets can send him anywhere they want. Kyrie is the same thing. They weren't smart enough to get that with a big contract. I do think it's only a matter of time before one of these stars, and I don't know who or what situation, they decide that they're going to give up the $30, $40 million for one year to cut bait and actually be able to move to where they want to move and sign on a cheap contract. I don't don't know who or when it's going to happen. Kyrie is always crazy enough to do something like that. Kevin Durant has all of the money in the world, so if he wanted to do that, he could do it. I don't think anyone else is on their their level when it comes to ridiculous decisions or or just wanting there's, to win. But David, there's great pressure from the Players Association for yeah. a player well, not to do that. And I guess Kyrie somehow was elected as a leader. Uh, of the, he's a vice the, president. Isn't yeah, he? I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that wound up, but I mean, no one else wanted the job. But yeah, there's, there's, they won't pretty much allow you to do that. I mean, that that was the thing with James Harden that he supposedly was going to sign for a lesser amount and give the Sixers some some financial flexibility, which they went out and signed the 35 year old three and D guy and Tucker and. I, that's not going to solve their problems either. And, you know, they're eventually – Philadelphia's got to get a point guard, and Harden's not a point guard. And, and that's so obvious to see. I don't know why they haven't picked up on that in that respect. So, so with, with this moving forward, you know, the, the entire NBA is kind of burn, bursting into flames around the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors, and the Phoenix Suns. And the Miami Heat, those are the four teams that kind of have stabilized in a certain way while everyone else is just struggling with these contracts and everything. It seems like if I, if I were a Phoenix, I would definitely not make the Kevin Durant trade because your core is so stable. There's so much talent there. You've built things in an organic way that is just better for everyone. Miami would make sense to trade for, for Kevin Durant. And then maybe his ball... Could Boston be a wild card? Doubt it. But but those four teams just seem like they're locked into what the top Memphis? four spots. Memphis is knocking on the door so hard. Nobody's going to Memphis. No, he's just, not going. That's just I yeah, mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you're, you're right, Dad. No, Memphis has the stability. You are totally right. They're doing it in a similar way as Phoenix and as Golden State, where it's all it's all come from an organic place. Yeah, that's a good point, Dad. Good point. I I just. Again, I, I see him bumping heads with Jimmy Butler at Miami, and I don't know if they could pull it off there. I think the Bulls have the flexibility that that could be there. That could be a team. Uh, New Orleans is one I hear quite a bit at. I'm surprised with the richest owner in the league that, that, that the Clippers are not trying to work something out because you put Durant with George – <laughs> and with Leonard, I mean, yeah, might be let's a, just put him with two more guys who are, never are crazy. Yes, they're <laughs> crazy too. In that extent, I mean, it's just 
again, he's, you, you get these big contracts, you sign that, and you limit who you can go to. And he wants to go to a contender. He's not going to go to a, you know, Memphis yeah. is a contender, but he wants also someone that he can maximize. His legacy his, is on the yes, line. His legacy yeah. and max, maximize his, 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 his ability to be an influencer and make money and make deals. He's into that. So he wants some financial center. And Miami fits that. Chicago fits that. L.A., but he's not going to L.A. because they've reached out for him before in that extent. It, there's been said there's only one team that's not actively engaged in, in trying to pick him up. And you know Celtics. what team that is. No, no, no. Golden State. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he burnt that bridge. The Celtics, I mean, the Malcolm Brogdon deal was a steal. Genius, yeah. I genius. mean, that just fits in. I just... To this day, I don't know if, if Brown and Tatum fit together well. It just seems something that doesn't sometimes fit there. Ta- sometimes talent just works, and they've just grown so well together. Even if it doesn't work, there there's a spot you can see. Playoffs are always a bit different than than the regular season, where you can see a scenario where you know Jalen Brown takes over your know, second team rotational duties at points in the postseason, and Jason Tatum takes the first. Remember, like. Some Shaq and Kobe West type Park situations. Yeah, yeah, where, where you divide up the time on the floor to maximize the potential there. I, I get it, though, Ernest. I yeah, get it. last five minutes. Now, getting Brogdon, again, that's the one thing they were missing in the playoffs is they didn't have a true point guard. Yeah. Uh, Smart is a two-guard that can't shoot. He's a great defensive player, but he's not a ball handler. Tatum had to bring the ball up most of the time. And that kind of limits your offense. If he's got the ball and he's going to shoot, the other four guys are just sitting around. Unless he's going to kick out to to, Hor- uh, to, to Horford. But it, again, it's it's the team just doesn't click and feel. It's it doesn't seem like it's more than its pieces. Golden State was a great example of a team that was more than its individual pieces, and it just fit real well. Now they've lost. Uh, Otto Porter and they lost Gary Payton Jr., but they've got uh, the Matt Kidd and uh, Kamanga, the two rookies who played a lot during the regular season, but you didn't see them much in the playoffs. Biggest the ego Warriors in the are just NBA well right now. Biggest ego. What do you think, guys? Big, biggest Gray- ego? Draymond Green. <laughs> Draymond. Oh, how about most outsized ego? Probably Draymond Green. Ah. Uh, Wow, maybe Draymond, but you no know, defensively, and he does the little things. He's uh, the most annoying, but who's got the biggest ego? You know, it's you, someone who thinks they're more than what they truly are. That may be Ben Simmons. Well, yeah. LeBron has been criticized having the biggest ego. But yeah, but he's got rings. LeBron, LeBron's ego is earned. I mean, he's billionaire got rings. Got the rings, part owner of Liverpool Football Club, the greatest soccer team and about Harden, football. no rings. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. I think Harden is a team guy who was asked to play exceptionally selfish basketball because of analytics, right? I mean, he came off the bench in OKC for how long? I mean, it, it was no fault of his own that he wanted to be the guy, so he got traded to Houston. You know, I think Harden wants to win but but maybe doesn't have the self-discipline or, or his personality doesn't necessarily gravitate towards you know the ultimate winner in the nba how about jimmy butler 
Oh, Jimmy Jimmy Butler's got the MJ. Yeah, but when it comes to taking that last shot, I mean, statistically, he just he's a terrible three point shooter. He has hot games, but he's just not consistent enough. That's fine. No, I I, Jimmy Butler is a leader, right? He he led the Minnesota Timberwolves to the playoffs in the one year he was there when they were absolutely not alienated the team by going with the second teamers and just destroying KAT. Yeah, I, all I hear is, many towns is uh, all like, I hear is Jimmy Butler is a leader. That's all I hear. All, yeah, all I hear out of that. He's on his no. fourth team now. You kind of wonder if he's that good a leader. What is he? He doesn't stick around. I mean, he had a Chicago team. He had the coach he wanted. They were consistently good at it until you know the other star, Derrick Rose, kind of wore himself down. Physically, wasn't able to play. Got traded in Minnesota. Alienated the entire team, right or wrong, because he felt like they didn't have a strong enough heart, went to Philadelphia and just just could not get along with Simmons. Okay, his 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 intensity was never matched by any other team he played with until he ran into the Miami Heat. It was the perfect marriage. The Heat culture and Jimmy Butler's At determination. Riley, baby. Yeah, I like I Jimmy Butler might not ever be a top 75 player but he's a top 75 leader when it comes to leadership right he's got the mj leadership he just doesn't have the mj talent draymond doesn't have the leadership no draymond's the kanye west of the nba (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he thinks yeah I, would, I don't compare anybody to Kanye. <laughs> too far. I think Dray, I think Draymond's kind of on that side. A little, he's he's really good, but he's not what he thinks he, he is. He's an offensively better Rodman. I mean, he just just said defensively. I mean, he does the little things. He does make uh, it click. Imagine if Dennis Rodman had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole spacing for him every night. Well, he, I think Dennis Rodman it, would have done just fine making layups every once in a while. He did have Steve Kerr, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen. I said I space. I said space. Okay. That's a, yeah. Well, it was a different game. It was a, it different, was a different game. game. Yeah, no, no, no hate, all no right. shade. Raymond's a, an all-star. I started that mess with the biggest ego. Um but it's just one of the knocks I think people have at NBA is it's such a player-owned league now. I mean, it's not actually owned by players, but they dictate so much that league. And some people get frustrated because it's not about their teams. It's about the player personalities, which leads me to our... I, 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 think, I think, Paul, that goes to the point that you have fewer guys on the team, fewer guys on the court. They don't wear helmets. And they are probably, in social media, more active than any of the other three big sports. Wouldn't you agree, oh. David? Yeah, well, other than the largest sport, soccer. Yes. In America. In America. In America. In America. Yeah. yeah. The fourth America. most popular sport. I think that's the yeah. reason. And I think there's a racial content in there that we may not want to explore. But I think that has a lot to do with it because it's a sport that is overwhelmingly represented by minorities and Europeans. All right. Well, let's, subliminally, it has some something. Sure. To let's go to the next big news this week, and that is we're going to have two huge super conferences in college football. <laughs> Hooray! Can you still call the Big Ten the Big Ten if they get over 14, 16 teams? Is this good or bad for football, Ernest? Can I tell you a quick story? Yep. Ten, ten years ago, the then uh, 
president of LSU send out a tweet and said, within five years, there'll be two conferences. One will be called ESPN. The other one will be called Fox. And, uh, you know, out of, uh, I don't know how he knew that because that's pretty much going to do because the news came out today that the SEC is going after North Carolina, uh, Virginia, Florida State, and Clemson. So, yeah, we're going to see two super conferences pretty soon. Which benefits those TV networks. Oh, yeah. And it helps in basketball because Kentucky and Carolina already have a very big rivalry. Clemson and Alabama have a rivalry. Uh, Virginia opens up the D.C. market for the SEC. And Florida State opens up the... I'm surprised I take Florida State instead of Miami. Who's the biggest loser of these two super conferences? Uh, the, people. The, the people who are left behind the other conferences? No, no. Let me argue that they're the biggest winners. Okay, tell me how uh, Colorado is going to benefit out of this. Because we get to drop the pretext that, that every P5 school has a chance to win a national title so they have to spend $5 million a year on a coach, let alone a brand new undefined salary you know, cap for each player. Th- this is good for the schools that are not the Big Ten, the new Big Ten, and the new SEC, you know, the new AFC and NFC. We're, we're coming to a point where it's very similar to the situation with the NFL back in the 60s where well, it's, it's cutting time, man. It's pruning season. Let's have these schools that have to make the choice in the next five years, if things were to stay the same, whether they were going to spend, whether they're going to increase their athletics budget three, four, five times just to afford players, just to afford coaches that are not worth it. You're not going to win the title. There's only five or six teams that are even going to win the title. So instead of trying to play this imaginary game, you drop the pretext and you know you're not going to go for a national title in those two divisions. Create your own. We're going to we're going to create. You know, we'll call it the Big Ten SEC NFL, right? It, it's those 30 schools that are going to compete for a national title at the top level, and then we have a sub level. You know, we'll call it the the new P5 NBC well, league. So yes, the <laughs> the the second the second tier of college football, where you have the Colorados. You have the Arizona States. You have the Boston Colleges of the world that can compete for their own title in their own league that is not actively paying players, that is not actively paying coaches $5 million a year to stay. It puts the it takes the burden off of the academic institutions to compete for what is essentially becoming a money pit. Because before you could say, hey, we're putting this money into the front door of the institutions, right? This is the front door. If we win a conference championship in football, we're going to get X number of increased applicants every year. This is going to pay for itself. Well, the arms race never ended. And instead of becoming the front door to the institutions, it's now the money pit in the back of the house that you don't want to show off. It's all the lawn, the dirty laundry that you haven't cleaned in three weeks. You know, that, that's what it's become. You're just throwing money away. So these second-tier schools can now compete for their own championship. 
And at the end of the day, alumni just want to see championships won. It's not going to matter what level it's at. And even better, schools like my um, my school, Bowling Green State University, can now drop into FCS and they can compete for national championships at that level or whatever champ. You know, they can at least attempt to compete for national championships on a much smaller budget. So we're we're reducing the financial burden off of these schools that were never going to win a national title in any way. Meanwhile, you know, USC, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia can spend all the money they want to. They have the alumni base, whatever, go chase. I think of schools like Nebraska and Iowa who are going to have to somehow compete at this. They're going to have to start asking the tough questions because eventually the, the arms race is just, it's going to end up in a place that is going to bankrupt institutions. Look at LSU. LSU is a is literally a bankrupted, you know, college institution that is still spending how much money on Brian Kelly? <laughs> like that, it's ridiculous, right? So, so that is my argument, and you guys can go ahead. But okay, here's here's the losers. Let's start with the ones that everyone forgets about, and that's the athletes. Because you're going to have a UCLA girls softball team that's going to be playing a game that's uh, 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. in the morning Pacific Standard Time when they play at Rutgers. Uh, the big sports, no one cares about. I mean, they're going to take care of themselves. But you're still going to have the idea that the athletes are going to be playing, getting on a plane and going across the country to play in minor sports which no one's attend, and they're going to be expected to be academically uh, the best at those particular things. And we're going to have two conferences. We're going to have ESPN, which is the SEC, and we're going to have Fox, which is the Big Ten. They may still go by those monikers, but for all practical purposes, that's what they'll be. And they'll be fighting, and they'll expand the, CP, the CFP playoff. It'll be expanded to 8 or 12 because it's all about the money. Don't they yeah, filthy looker. The rivalries. We're going to miss rivalries. Carolina joins the SEC. Kiss Carolina Duke goodbye. Uh, you get a conference that big in the, the uh, new Fox slash Big Ten conference. You're not going to be Michigan, Ohio State. It's not going to play every year. Not if they have to go to the West Coast twice. Unless they expand the season and play no, more games, more income. Er, Ernest, they're going to functionally – turn the Big Ten into the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West. You know, might as well just call it something cool and funny, like leaders and legends, and just see how that plays out. Um, and then the Pac-12 is essentially, the Pac-12 schools are essentially going to play themselves, and and they're going to play, you know, Nebraska and Iowa. And and then they'll have a so conference title game in the Big, in the, in the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, it'll, Rose it'll Bowl. essentially be the same. Just slightly altered, right? And th- that way, USC is only making one cross-country trip a year, maybe. They're never going to play away games in November, no matter how much I want them to. Now, I, w- I want to see them come to Ann Arbor on a snowy Saturday in November. I think that'd be brilliant. Um, and I-, I ultimately think that's what's going to happen with the smaller sports, too. It's it's divided up geographically where they're not traveling. They're basically not playing half of the conference. Remember right? the old playing- days when you had... Teams compete and they played everybody in the conference. <laughs> that was fair scheduling because everybody had to face everybody. They're going to play everyone in the same division, Ernest. They now to get away from the division. new conferences. But see, the Big 12's already stopped 
divisions. The ACC next year will not have a division. They're getting away from the divisionals because that was a requirement from the NCAA to have a 12th championship game, which you had to have divisions. And they're all getting away from the division. But if, if everything is everything old is new again and there's 20 teams in the Big Ten, then you can have two 10-team divisions that are essentially their own 10-team conferences and all of a sudden you've solved you just you've renamed everything right under you've bundled things together for a prettier tv rights package right i think that's i think that's the way it's gonna be in the fox in the fox conference i have a conspiracy thing that so i just watched uh dr strange in the multiverse universe whatever (laughs) this feels sort of like it where what universe are we in but I think this whole thing is the worst Stewart, timeline. Yeah, Patrick the worst Stewart timeline. If you haven't realized, yeah, Patrick Stewart will be the new Big Twelve, yeah. uh, the new Big Ten, and get uh, his mission. neck snapped. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the <laughs> thing is, I think there's no, it's no accident that we're here at this place because as soon as the NCAA lost their power, everything started going into motions. It's like everything, and I have a good friend who I know says nature abhors a vacuum. The vacuum of the NCAA's yeah. leadership and power, it, we're now experiencing what's happening. Man, I'll take that and just apply it to the world this moment in time. I think, I think that's pretty accurate description. Well, uh, there's another famous saying that favorite friend of yours likes to say. The answer to your question is always money. Phil DeLuker. That's, that's, yeah, Phil DeLuker. That's the reason this is happening is money. Is it for the athletes? No. Yeah. I mean, the athletes, what money they're getting is not going to be at the university or the money they pull in. It's from the, the name and likeness, NIL deals. So they're not having to, they may police that. They may try and get a piece of it. They may try to manage that and take a part of it. But no, it's, it's more and more money. And you've got two large networks that are competing on the sports announcing environment. Fox and ESPN, and they're creating these these two different conferences. CBS is out and broadcasting the SEC after this year, and you're going to see these again. It's the Fox Network, which is the Big Ten, and the SEC ESPN Network, and it's it's they keep both of these keep feeding money because they're competing as networks, not so much the teams competing against each other. And you got to feel bad for the 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 Dukes. Well, I feel bad no, for Dukes. No, come on now. You don't we are in another whoa, 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 We whoa, are in another Don't go universe, too far. The Stanfords. I mean, Stanford has been a competitive football team that has come close to championship. And Oregon and Washington. And, and there's going to be some teams that are going to be left out. And that's, that's basically what's going to happen. Do you really think we're going to see Alabama play Texas? And Oklahoma every year in the new SEC? No. Because they want wins because they're going to compete to try to get in that football championship mm-hmm. in those four games or four teams or 18 playoffs. You're going to see a few super matchups, but it's, it's just this is basically telling you it's for money. This concept of the student athlete has been a joke, it's been a joke for the last 20 years. And if I hear that come one more time from another college administrator, I'll be knowing that he's lying through his teeth in that respect. All right, guys, I, mean, I have one, another question for you. 
Right now, Nick Saban wants to say something really bad. What does he want to say, David? That will, He knows it would get him in trouble, but he wants to say. He's going to say, look, I've won college football. <laughs> and at this point, we're getting kind of ridiculous. And college football is just a farce. So everyone just needs to take a step back. And I'm going to run for president because I can, I can just make this thing work. Let's just be honest. I'm that kind of leader. He has the biggest ego in America. And and rightfully so, I would trust him to do anything, frankly. Uh, and and he's going to do that, and then he can say, "Look, guys, just just focus on the sports that are actually structured correctly, and and not just for TV or for money." And we can all go on our merry way to enjoying soccer. That's a kind of where I'm at. Ernest, right. What would Nick Ernest. Saban say? He's saying, for the last twelve years, I've had the best athletes. And now I'm not getting my choice of the best athletes. Other schools are using some of what I used to use to get better athletes. That's he's what saying, he's saying. He's saying others have learned how to bend the rules. He's saying I'm not good with salary caps. We've already done this before. You know, so so he's negotiating with uh, C, uh, CBS or ESPN to be a commentator now, huh? Why? He's horrible. I mean, he just doesn't say anything. I, I but mean, he he's at Ernest. He is at that level where, where I think any everyone will just listen to him no matter what, right? I think it's like Brady. Listen, college football wants an announcer. There's the good ones sitting the sidelines. Would be the best entertaining thing since Don Meredith, and that's our coach Ball, Steve Superior. <laughs> no, Superior would be the oh. best announcer. <laughs> he did a three-second delay with him. Second, oh. Steve Spurrier, the oh, old ball great. coach. Yeah. Old ball coach. He'd be hilarious. He'd be funny. He'd say what he wants. He'd be the best at it. But he'd now, be the Jimmy it. Johnson of college football. Right? I, I was thinking, I don't know. He'd be better than that. He'd do that old Southern accent. Just he's type doesn't care what he says. He's more, more like, and I know I'm dipping into something that no one under the age of fifty remembers. <laughs> the Al McGuire of college. Oh, there you go. Now, now give me Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban in a room together. That'd be. Because I, I would just. They the, actually the get along pretty good. I, I know, hear, but you didn't hear David. We talked about it last week, but uh, he got and he he couldn't understand why the A and M coach got upset because Steve uh, Spurrier said, "Tell me what Saban said that was wrong. Tell me what was, was a lie." I enjoy your podcast. First off, second, Steve Spurrier. Just just imagine this with me. Steve Spear and Nick Saban sitting in the same room, televised, it, for three or four hours on a Saturday. Imagine uh, – Nick Saban definitely probably likes Steve Spurrier and, and oh, the feelings are probably mutual. But in a way like a, like a father-son or, no, or like older a, brother, younger brother. A, the, a the cop annoying, duo, two cops – like a the, the annoyed look that bad Nick cop. Saban would give Steve Spurrier across like the entire three or four hours, like it would just be annoying. He'd just be annoyed a lot of the time. And he'd be fine afterwards, but but it would be tremendous television content. Did, did you know, David, that uh, Saban was Alabama's second choice? They originally approached Steve Spurrier to be their coach. Oh, didn't they originally? And, and, Approach Rich was, Rodriguez. I talked to Rich, Rich Rod. <laughs> wow. Then they went to Steve. Now, Spurrier was at South Carolina, and his son was on the coaching staff. And he, 
I can't leave to go there. Y'all in the same division I'm in. And um, then he said, well, then I have to play FSU, you know, Free Shoe University. Uh, <laughs> boy, if they had taken Rich Rod, Alabama, just the college Ernest, football is so much different. That's alternative now. university. My, my, dad, my dad and I have already mourned over, let's, let's move on <laughs> over that, that choice. Yes. Yeah. All right, moving on to another sport that you guys love. Since I have David on the podcast, we got to talk about the world's favorite sport, soccer, and all the off-season moves. Boy, these guys are on vacation, and you have Ronaldo trying to move. You have Mosla signing a long-term deal with Liverpool. David, what's the biggest news of soccer in the last two weeks? Um, well, so A, you know, the season just ended three weeks ago, and Teams are reporting back to camp for the start of the next season already. Uh, unusually early, three weeks earlier than normal because the World Cup is going to be held in Qatar in December, which is going to be weird and, and just all about the money, right? The ultimate filthy lucre of yeah. all. And I've wanted to say filthy lucre for so long, hearing it on your guys' podcast, and then I hear it on on the soccer podcast I listened to randomly. I heard it like like one or two months ago. I was like, no way, filthy lucre. It's a, it's really a thing. It's not just an earnest thing. No, um, it's a Bible thing. King James. I'm learning. Yes, it, it's learning. biblical. Yes, from Titus. Yes. yes, it's it's from the Bible. It's the Bible of sports terms. <laughs> That's right. Um. So so majorly with soccer, it's you know the break time for Europe, and I want to point out. That in America, there is some pretty fascinating soccer. And I'm not talking about the MLS, because I'm, I'm frankly not the biggest fan of the MLS. They're, they're only in the biggest cities in America. And, and it's just a bit ingenuine, right? There's, there's not really a genuine feeling to it. But if you're ever interested and want to check out soccer in America, the USL uh, is the place to do it, right? So it's the second tier of soccer. It's kind of like the, the AAA of, of American League. soccer. Yes, the USL Championship is what's called, right? So it's the second tier. Um, and it's all these clubs that have been grown from the ground up, right? There's no $300 million expansion fees. So so they've all started just for, with, from nothing, and they've built over time. And they're all in these B-plus markets, right? So you've got New Mexico United, who averages 10,000 fans a game, Sacramento has a team. Louisville has a team and probably the nicest soccer-only stadium in America. Uh, you've got the Phoenix Rising. Uh, you've got El Paso, Texas, Indianapolis, Birmingham, Detroit. So all these, like, don't, slightly don't, smaller don't forget, markets. Don't forget Charleston Battery, whose stadium yep. is on Little Island. Charleston, Tampa Bay, Hartford, Las Vegas, San Diego. Pitt. Pittsburgh, Chattanooga is in is in the third tier, which is also USL one, which it's part of. The, I'm bringing this up because these clubs are averaging between six and ten thousand fans a game, and you want to compare that to minor league baseball. Minor league baseball's top average attendance last year was the Nashville Sounds, and they had seven thousand people a game per game. And yes, there's more games in baseball, but I do think it's a sign of the times a bit that these. B-plus clubs that do not get any recognition. You know, they don't at all. They're getting between seven and 10,000 seven and 10, play, or, uh, fans a game. 
And there's something genuine building with, with the fun of the league. They've got talent that goes to Europe, a, a lot of talent that eventually heads out to Europe because um, they don't have as strict of rules as the MLS when it comes to signing for them so they can play for a year. So they can be 17, play in the USL for a year, and then go to Europe. Right, where MLS, you have to stay until you're 20, 21, et cetera. Um, so there's a groundswell of just it's the next thing that's coming. I'm letting you guys in now. This is what's happening. But now, I read, a, I read an article. I was going to say, I read an article about the, the team in Detroit. Is it, it's called uh, Detroit uh, City Football Club. Yes. yes. And, and when Gunn was trying to get a, a, a Major League Soccer franchise, he tried to buy the name and they didn't. And they have this little. It's almost like a Division Two European team. It's it's the whole neighborhood and the environment. It was a nice little article on Sports Illustrated about. It. And by the way, I've attended a USL game. All right, uh, Charlotte Independence. No, actually, at that time, the Wilmington Hammerheads playing the Charlotte Battery. This is oh, cool. the Hammerheads dropped back a division after uh, Charlotte got a uh, so. The, this is one of the cool things, Ernest, is in – so in Europe, you know, there's divisions and teams get promoted, you know, if they win the division or they get relegated if they're in the bottom couple of places. So in the MLS, because it's structured like American pro sports, there's no relegation. So there's no fear of of being one of the worst teams, right? And I'm just tired of that, right? Once I got indoctrinated to European soccer with relegation and promotion – it's just it's not the same in the MLS, right? So USL has USL Championship, which is the second tier of American soccer. And then they also have the USL 1 League, USL League 1, which is an extra 20 teams who are in the similar sorts of markets like Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, and the plan is in the future to have promotion and relegation between those two leagues, which it's a start. It's not great. The MLS is never going to open any doors for any of these teams. But it's it adds a little incentive to to wanting to be successful in those leagues, right? You, you, there's a little bit of hunger, and these are not small television markets, right? These are all genuinely larger markets. Indianapolis, Detroit, you know, Pittsburgh, Louisville, not small markets, and they're making a dent within the community. The trouble, right? David, is that soccer has exploded with big names and big personalities worldwide. And I don't you know any big names in these lesser leagues, and they're based on community spirit, which is awesome. But the headlines and all the news of who's making those money is the big names, the one-name people. And that's what I thought you might talk about. Like right now, who is the top two players in the world, do you think? Yes, Kylian Mbappe, who is now the owner of Paris Saint-Germain, <laughs> yeah, um, right. who I think maybe I think I might have been on a podcast where you we were. talked about this. Um, yeah, who now runs the team essentially? He's getting paid more per year than any other athlete, you know, in in history. They're ta- they're talking about the last person to get paid more per year by their by their team. They're talking about like. Uh, but Horse is he the Michael Jordan of soccer? Is he that much better? Ooh. He, he is not the Michael Jordan. He's never won a Champions League, which is a thing that defines it. But he's 23 years old, and he's the world's best talent, and he's from the city of Paris. And the city of Paris, who the team that employs him is from the city of Paris. 
and they just happen to have the the richest owners in the world. So it's like the perfect recipe where, I mean, they've got the president of France who's not even a PSG supporter. He's a supporter of their rivals. You know, it's like the it's like if the president of the United States was a Boston Red Sox fan and the New York Yankees were about to lose Babe Ruth to free agency or something like that, you know, just Derek Jeter. And, and the president, Boston Red Sox fan, called up Babe Ruth and said, hey, you can't leave the Yankees. You can't go play in Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic. It's too important for you to stay here and play with the Yankees. That's what Maybe. happened. What about Robert Lewandowski? Oh, I mean, he's that the, is... high, the highest-scoring player in all of Europe, and he's yes. Barcelona's going after him hot and heavy. So he's he's 33 years old, no drop-off in form, even though you kind of expect that from soccer players over the age of 30. Uh, he's been with with Bayern Munich for 10 years. He's a club legend. Um, Randomly this year, after he's never complained, he's always been a quiet person in the locker room, never really a leader, but always quiet, polite, respectful, great image. He came out the week after the season ended and said, I can't play for Bayern Munich anymore. Our relationship is torn. If they don't let me leave, they will they will forever break my relationship with them. So they need to let me leave. I need a new challenge. Out of the blue, guns a blazing, full Kyrie. You know, full Kyrie. Right, so he's trying to go to Barcelona. The issue is Barcelona is the worst-run club in sports. Yeah, they're in so much debt, they cannot afford a $30 million transfer plus the wages for Robert Lewandowski, which is a long ways away from the record transfer fee they paid for Philippe Coutinho from Liverpool four years ago, where they paid $150 million just for Coutinho himself. Now they're at the point where they can't even afford a $30 million transfer fee. How um, so that's Holland going to Man City? Holland and Man yeah. City is just, it's it's a match made in heaven, unfortunately, right? And I can't even really blame the money because the, the UAE uh, essentially owns Man City and they pour all of the money into, into that club. Erling Holland's dad played for Man City. And he and Erling Holland was actually born in Leeds, uh, in England, when his dad played for Leeds. So even though he represents Norway, uh, England fans are very hopeful, wishfully, that he might represent England one day. That didn't happen. Um, but Erling Holland was born to play for Man City. As much as that sucks, because his dad played for Man City when they were in the second division, <laughs> when they were a bad club. Um, it's cool, man. He's he is him and Mbappe are the best two players in the world. No hesitation. Um, so who will retire and, first, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo wants to be traded. Yeah, Ronaldo. Ronaldo. And actually, oh, here we go. It took me ten minutes to get here. Messi is going to play for Inter Miami in two years. Yeah, yeah. the Beckham so, deal. Yeah. So MLS. Will Ronaldo, will Ronaldo ever play MLS? So there's this tricky thing with oh, a, a police investigation in Las <laughs> yes. Vegas. Uh, the, the, yeah, the accused. Uh, so even even though I think there's a high likelihood that nothing ever, ever comes from that for a lot of different reasons, I think just t- everything's tarnished in that regard. However, his son has American citizenship. 
his son was born in America as one of you've heard of maybe heard of rich people that fly into America and have their child and then fly out so they can get citizenship. Um, yeah, just, the MLS is like Japanese baseball. They pick up all these over the washed out. Over the hill, the, you know, the guy from Gareth, Wales. Gareth Bale. Bale, yeah. Well, oh, is yes. he, he's yeah. over Rooney. He's mid-30s. Rooney. They pick yeah. up these guys on the last legs like Japanese baseball used to do this with ball players all the time. I mean, they get them from name value, and they kind of sacrifice construction of a cohesive team because of that. So, Ernest, in 20 years, when we have our own Shohei Otani does playing uh-huh. in Europe... Then we, all we, don't, we don't have one already playing for Chelsea. Oh, yes, the LeBron James of soccer. Yes. <laughs> so someone, uh, I think, no, I don't know. Someone on a radio show or on ESPN proclaimed Christian Pulisic as the LeBron James of soccer. And now he's he will never live it down on the yeah, internet. Yeah, because yeah, LeBron starts for every team he ever played for. Well, we got to wrap this podcast up. I give you guys your last few minutes here of commentary, of opinion, whatever you want to say. Well, so let, let me just say uh, thank you for letting me spend the last 15 minutes on soccer. And I'll just gracefully <laughs> bow to Ernest as he goes. Oh, you're giving your time to Ernest? I spent oh, I spent all the time. Let's let's not kid ourselves <laughs> all right. here. All right, we're this is July third when we're recording this, and tomorrow morning, one of the greatest sports competitors of all time, an athlete who is completely dominating his sport for years, who everybody knows his ability to magically put hot dogs in the water, swallow them whole. Yes, I'm talking <laughs> Joy Chestnut Joey, Joey. and the uh, hot dog eating contest at Nathan's in New York. And this gastronomic genius has just made a name for himself ever since Kobayashi has kind of been banned by the sport. And the Black Widow dominates the women's part of it. But uh, I don't know if it's just curiosity or I have nothing on at 12 o'clock on <laughs> July 4th. I always watch the hot dog eating contest. I mean, I mean which, is, which me is from the, eating? It keeps me from eating hot dogs that day. Which is the better spectacle for you, Ernest? The USFL championship or the hot dog eating contest? <laughs> oh, I know. I always go football. I, was, I mean, <laughs> I've watched all four, all three of the uh, Canadian League games this week. Canada Day, that was a big day. That was Friday. And I'll watch the uh, Winnipeg-Toronto game tomorrow night. So, it's intervention time. Always. So I, uh, I just love the, much as you love soccer, <laughs> you're watching USL, which USL games are on ESPN. ESPN Plus. ESPN. Yeah. Actually, they got on when we were in Traverse City on vacation. I checked ESPN, the, the ESPN channel, and they're on national television. Primetime, baby. I know. Here's, here's Saturday the afternoon. Sad, here's the sad thing. I have discovered I can get Japanese baseball now. And that's where we wrap it up, folks. We've yeah, gone down to that ring. So, um, happy 4th happy of July. Thank you for all the people who've made our freedom possible. And be responsible out there. I work at a hospital, and last night saw several people come in the emergency room with firework-related injuries. Be smart out there. And for Ernest and David, have a good night. Thank you, guys. <laughs>